The iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love. Like taking those perfect new year, new you portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. It's the best way to stay connected to everyone you'll heart most in 2019. So get ready to fall in love with iPhone XR on T-Mobile, the most loved in wireless. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE to learn more or visit a store today. Welcome to another edition of the Streaking the Lawn podcast. Once again, my name is Pierce. Happy to be here tonight. I've got Caroline. How's it going, Caroline? Hey, what's up? Hey, and I've got Matt Ellis. How are you, Matt Ellis? I'm the less important Matt this week. It's really not that much fun. That's very true, but I feel like you're one of those Matts that you always say the last name with the first name. I always call you Matt Ellis and never just Matt. Well, it's finally useful. <laughs> All right, and we've got a special guest tonight with Matt Johns, former quarterback of the Wahoos, recently former Wahoo graduate student, double who, you're right. You got a couple degrees, right? That's right. There we go. That's um, right. How's it going? It's going good. It's going good. Um, just moved back home to right outside Philadelphia and working some odd jobs and still training and hoping for a call sometime soon, but we'll, uh, we'll see. Nice. And you, uh, you, you have done the mini camp thing, right? Yeah. So I actually was with the Chiefs for, um, I guess it was like a, it was the rookie mini camp. So it was uh-huh. like five practices, and it was a, an unbelievable experience. And then um, all summer I've just been training and working, and I actually got I had two workouts with the Ravens last week, so that was interesting. So oh, nice. I was hoping to get something out of that, but you know. A phone call could come any day. It, could, it might not come at all. So we'll. Uh, I'm just trying to stay patient and and hoping something works out in the next next month or so. Would so if you're from that area, would the Eagles be like your first choice for sentimental value, or is see that that would be nice for uh, <laughs> for friends and family. But we actually grew up Steelers fans. Oh, so okay, gotcha. That was. Uh, but honestly, I don't even I don't even cheer for a team now because when the Ravens called, I was just as excited. Oh, of so we'll. Uh, <laughs> Well, uh, right now I'm a fan of nobody. Right, right. <laughs> whoever whoever shows up on the caller ID is your new favorite team. Exactly. Well, Matt, exactly. I'm, a, I'm a huge Steelers fan, so um, okay, awesome. Um, yeah, but all would. a couple of the local area teams um, have actually really big UVA connection, especially the Ravens, which, as a Steelers fan and someone living in Baltimore, is brutal. For uh-huh. me. But obviously, Smoke has been playing <laughs> with them. Um, there's uh, Brent Urban and there's one more guy. Yeah. But it, what's it like? Have you been able Maurice to reach Kennedy. out? Yeah. Um, have you been able to reach out and kind of talk to some of those guys? Obviously, Chris Long is at Philadelphia now and Kanan um, mm-hmm. and Jake McGee, who's finally done with college. Um, <laughs> After like 12 years, right? Yeah, he's on the seven, better half of a decade one. Um, like, have you been able to talk to some of those guys, get advice um, on, on the process right now? Yeah, I have. You know, Kanan's one of my best friends, and I would say the, you know, the three guys um, or four people that I keep in touch with the most from UVA are probably Kanan and Darius Jennings. Those are two of them. 
and then um, Jackson Tao and Ryan Santoro. But DJ and Kane have been a huge help in the process. You know, when, the, when I got a call for a couple of the workouts, they were able to tell me what to expect. You know, this is how it's going to go and so on and so forth. But, um, you know, Chris Long, I've met him a few times. Great guy. Um, not as close with him, though. But and another mentor has been um, Coach Higgins. Um, he's, yeah. he's been a huge help. And, you know, he played four years in the league. So he also gives me some pointers here and there. But you know, those are the guys I go to for, for advice. And um, they've been a great help. How often have you been able to get back down to Charlottesville? Like, um, have you been down there for, you know, they're working on camp now and, and getting practice ready. Um, are you down there a lot and have you kept open the relationship with the new coaching staff? Yeah. So, um, I, I, I've texted coach Mendenhall a few times. I kept in touch with coach Beck. Um, and then I haven't been down since graduation because, if I was, if I knew I was going to be in NFL training camp, I was going to be, going to go down there and train with Smoke, Darius, and Kanan. Yeah. But unfortunately, I didn't have that, so I didn't want to. Um, I just kind of wanted to stay home and work a little bit, so I could make some money on top of training because you know it's so unpredictable that if it doesn't work out, you kind of have to have a plan moving forward. So I didn't want to just be stuck in Charlottesville and and not have any money in my pocket. But. Um, yeah, so unfortunately I have not been down, but I've kept in touch with the guys, and I'm, I'm I have some games I have picked out that I want to get down to, and it's been uh, I'm I'm excited for this upcoming season. Good stuff. Do you know if there are other uh, guys who graduated with you or, or recent grads who are doing the mini camp thing? And it, you know, we know the guys who who are currently on the team. So who else is out there working on it? Yeah, so. Um, Keon Johnson and Eric Smith are, they're in training camps right now and then smoke. And then, so I think the only two left that are still trying to get in are myself and Dante Wilkins oh, from sure. this, uh, this past, this past graduating class. Good stuff. Um, I'm trying to think who else. Yeah. I think that's, that's really it. Cool. Let's, uh, let's jump back to Charlottesville and your time here. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. we asked you know, Luke about his experience with coaching change and yeah. you were under the most recent one. Uh, can you just talk a little bit about what it's like uh, to go through that? I mean, it seems like, you know, most of the UVA fandom is familiar with the idea of a, a change in culture and, and whatnot. But right. what does that really mean uh, either for the day-to-day or just the, the feeling uh, being on that team? Yeah, I mean, really the, the change of the culture for the first, when they got there in the winter, it was all about, you know, getting the entire team to try hard because, you know, you have the older guys, the upperclassmen who kind of have it figured out, you know. You don't have to teach Quinn Blanding, Micah Kaiser, or Jackson Mateo how to try hard. You know, these guys know how to do it. So from a from an upperclassman, I guess it was, you know, you want to be in the X's and O's because at this level, you should be expected to, to know how to compete at this level. Mm-hmm. But, you know, some of the younger guys, and, and we were – um, you know, our depth wasn't as, as deep as we would like it to have been. So our coaches were forced to do that. And, and that's just kind of both the hand, the hand that they were dealt. So I completely understood where they were coming from. And then, um, you know, so you're not, they weren't as much focused on execution. So then once the season came around, we were, that's when we started to get to execution. But, um, you know, I guess we were just a little behind in terms of, of where we were at going into the season, clearly, you know, ending the season at mm-hmm. two and 10. So from that point, it was frustrating, but you know, what these coaches are instilling into the program 
is for long term, you know, and sure. and I hope this year they get that they get, um, you know, at least six wins, and I think they're very capable of it, but it's just a matter of of really executing. I think the 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 foundation is laid now, and now it's it's all about execution because when you look at the past few years, it's in my opinion. It hasn't really been talent. It's been execution. You know, the guys mm-hmm. in the field have to be able to to put the ball in the end zone and stop stop the teams, the offenses when we need to. And um, you know, if they can do that this year, they'll uh, they'll definitely see some more production. Yeah. So obviously, part of the coaching change going from a pro style to a spread, the offense looked really mm-hmm. different. The terminology is different. What's asked of the QB is is different because we got more of a running element. Were there any differences in terms of the sort of responsibilities that the QBs had from a play to play perspective in terms of audibly at the line, setting protections, things like that, that you may yeah. be asked to do more in one offense than the other. Definitely. So that's one thing I think was to my advantage was the pro style offense. Um, you know, the pro style offense, you're coming out, you're identifying safeties and you're looking at fronts and you're moving from there. You know, you, everything is based off the safeties and the fronts pretty much. You know, you have your certain scenarios, your your different situations where you're expecting a certain blitz or you can change a play. But, you know, with Coach Fairchild, a lot of the times we would come to the line having called two plays. Uh-huh. And so we were able to, you know, it really it wasn't anything extremely complicated, but it was very similar to an NFL offense. You know, if we get this front, we're running to the right. If we get this front, we're going to toss it to the left. So... Um, to me, that was a lot of fun. That's what I like doing. So when the, when with the new offense and the spread, you know, a lot of times you're I, you're just reading one player on the defense, and you're you're going off that. So if this guy goes to the left, then we're throwing to the right. Whereas if he right. goes to the right, then we're gonna throw right off his head to the left. So for me, it took a little bit of time to adjust to that. You know, I I wanted to keep my eyes on the safety and and kind of. Um, so it really was like retraining all of my skill sets, you know? So, and another thing is we weren't under center at all. So, um, that I, I guess, you know, how you're identifying defenses and how they're calling the plays, you know, we went from four years of in a huddle to all of a sudden going no huddle, you know, which makes it simple, you know, it makes it simpler for kids coming in. But I get, for me, I, I struggled a little bit just kind of retraining my skill set. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, it's like you said, it could be a a major difference to, for everybody out there. And maybe that factors into the, you know, the, the disappointing win total and whatnot, but hopefully I think under their belts, um, you know, it it leads to being a a more comfortable system. Yeah, Matt. Yeah, yeah, no, it definitely will. (laughs) um so in that same vein like how important is senior leadership with instilling a new system like that especially with a lot of changes um and then how do you feel obviously you mentioned guys like Quinn and um like those like the defensive players why am I blanking on names tonight sorry it's been a long day um Micah Kaiser how do you feel the team is in sense of like an on-field and off-field leadership standpoint as far as players go. So like how big is that into instituting a new system that Coach Mendenhall is trying to bring and where do you feel like the team stands at this point in that same leadership standpoint? Yeah, um, you know, 
I guess, well, I guess, it's kind of funny because I remember, I guess I was a sophomore, second or third year when Luke was a senior. So he went through that too intense season. And I was like, I will, I never will go through that, you know, especially as a senior. And now I'm a senior and you feel that too intense. And um, the senior leadership really is important because when the team is on that four game losing streak, that five game losing streak, you, you really have to hold it together, you know? Yeah. And if you're not able to approach each game with the optimism that you will come out on top, then the team is in the, in the wrong place. They shouldn't even show up for the game. And I think we were, um, as a senior class, we were able to do that. You know, I think we, every game we went into, we really did believe we could win because, you know, it comes down to the, that end of the third quarter, fourth quarter, where we, we kind of we lost the games. But um, this year – these guys have it figured out, you know, I, yeah. at least I think they do, you know, guys like Quinn and Micah, they, they just lead by example. You know, they, they do what they're supposed to do on the field. They really don't make mistakes. And, and um, you have to, be able to follow people that are producing. Sure. And I think they have those guys this year and it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting to see who steps up. And uh, cause you know, there's gonna be a lot of new names that, that, that pop out this year, but, It'll be I, – I think they're in a good place in terms of leadership. Yeah, and a lot of those games are close ones. I mean, obviously the win total is right. there, but it's it's not like they were all blowouts. And a lot of them were close games against really, really good teams too. So, right. you know, you wonder uh, another yeah. year of the system and more comfortable nature there. And obviously those reports out of coming out of camp that the both lines look bigger, or you know, and that's a good sign and things like that. Maybe that's that five-point swing right there that can – they can turn some good things around uh, in some of the games. Yeah, um, I'd like to yeah. chat with you a little bit about like uh, how Wahoo fans first really got to know you, which I think it's fair to say would be the ELA <laughs> game, uh, where yeah. things didn't start off too good on uh, Labor Day weekend, <laughs> and, and there were there were a couple shockingly quick turnovers <laughs> that, that led to some yeah. points. And then here comes a surprise other quarterback and he starts throwing the ball over the damn place and everybody's going, Oh my God. <laughs> that was so much fun. And they were just getting uh, rowdy going, who is this guy? This is awesome. <laughs> um, so yeah. what was it like? I mean, you know, I assume going out there, you, you're always ready to play, but it may not have been the, the obvious expectation. Um, so how was that? Yeah. So, um, it was it was kind of a whirlwind because um, that training camp leading up to it, I, I had a I had produced I we were doing scrimmages and everything, and um, me and David Wofford at the time were splitting backup reps, mm. and but I felt that my production was very similar to Grayson's. You know, we were pretty neck and neck in terms mm. of who was producing the most in camp, and since he already been named the starter and he was a captain, so it was you know he was going to be the starter regardless. Yep. And but going into that game, I really didn't know I was the backup, which was kind of interesting. So, you know, I'm just kind of standing on the sidelines, going, you know, come on, we need to pick this up. Mm. And Coach Fairchild was like, Matt, warm up. And I kind of looked around, like me. <laughs> <laughs> oh shoot! All right, let's go do this. <laughs> so then he puts me in. I think there was what, like a minute and twenty minute thirty left in the yep. half. Yeah, and yeah. he calls two handoffs, and I'm like, wow, he, he does not <laughs> believe in me. And so they called the play that they had called earlier in the game, and I saw the coverage for Grayson, and he came off the field. I'm like, dude, you got to see this. You know, 
safety went high, they're in man, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, you know, they tricked me. I was like, no big deal. So they called the play again, and it gave him me the same exact coverage. And then I hit Keenan down the sideline on that little fade route. And um, and then a play later, you know, one of our big things on that game plan was Miles Jack, who was now playing for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And he was he's, mm-hmm. to this day, one of the best football players I've ever played against. So I step up in the pocket, and there he is looking me eye to eye. <laughs> I'm like, holy crap, get out of bounds right now. <laughs> so I get out of bounds, and then, you know, the next play, we called timeout and threw it up in the air to Andre Laverne. And I turned around, the hill was going nuts, and I'm like, <laughs> all right, we, we got the spark back. And then from there, it was, um, you know, that was, you know, I guess a quarterback's dream in terms of in coming off the bench and a guy that no one really yeah. knew about and, and kind of creating um, – a good first impression that way. So, mm-hmm. you know, that was, uh, that was definitely something in my football career that I will never forget. Awesome. Yeah. That game was, I was there. The game was obviously the outcome didn't end up being what we maybe wanted, mm-hmm. but the, the end of the first half and the second half were just so much fun. I remember it being um, one of the most, most fun games to be at. Well, there were a lot that, I mean, there were a few that were exciting and then maybe didn't go this, the way that we would have wanted. But um, when you mentioned <laughs> Ronnie, um, he's one of the guys that a lot is expected from this season. What, yeah. what do you, like, what's some insider info on, like, what to expect from him? What do you think is going to be his kind of production this year, especially as a guy who's yes. really been developing over the course of his time at UVA? Yeah, so he's um... – I've been pretty close to Dre over the years and, and he's uh, I'm, I'm definitely a fan of his and it's really been a shame that he hasn't been able to stay healthy. You know, there's no really easy way around it. He was, he's just been hurt and that's mm-hmm. kind of what his downfall has been. So if he stays healthy, I mean, he's walking around in an NFL body. He looks like an NFL receiver and he runs like an NFL receiver. He runs routes like an NFL receiver and he'll go up and make big plays like you saw in that season. Um, and I think, you know, if he stays healthy, he's, he's going to be one of the things that makes that team go. And I think that's a, that's a bold statement, but I think that's just how it goes. You know, you have, um, he, if he can, he can really take the top off a defense and, and he's their guy to do that this year. So if he's able to do that and they can hit him on some streaks and some posts and really stretch out defenses it opens so much more, you know, it opens up the quick game, it opens up the run game and it'll be, um, you know, I'm not going to put any predictions on his stats or anything, but you know, if, if he stays healthy and can produce, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We'll put we'll in the Heisman run right now. There's that kicker. I forget what school that he created his own Heisman website and he was handing out flyers. And, like, I'm all about that. That's funny. That's funny. Yeah. But it'll be, um, I'm excited for him. I've kept in touch with him and I, I, I expect big, big things from him. And I think he expects big things from himself. Good stuff. In the same vein, um, obviously the defense is a little bit more of a known quantity, in my opinion, with just kind mm-hmm. of the guys returning. Offensively, when you lose someone as dynamic as Smoke, um, what can yeah. fans expect from – I still think there's a strong running back core that maybe didn't get as much um, – well, that Smoke got a lot of the attention. So Jordan Ellis, um, Alana, yeah. like what can fans expect from – maybe the guys that they saw at moments last season, but that will carry the brunt of um, the carries this year. Right. Um, I think, 
you know, Jordan Ellis has been hiding behind this curtain of talented players, and this is going to be his breakout season. Um, he's one of the hardest working guys I've ever been around. You know, on weekends we would go in and try to do some extra work, and he was always in there before us and, and by himself. No one ever had to motivate that guy, and it was it's really impressive, and, and I'm really happy that he stuck it out and really waited for his turn. And I think he's a name that Wahoo Nation's really going to know this year, and they're gonna, and and um, so I don't think they're going to miss a beat there because they have Ellis and Ham, and Ham's really dynamic. He really is, um, you know, a maybe obviously not the player that Smoke was, but he's he's right below. You know, he can catch, he can run routes, and and he's going to fight hard for the extra yard. So. It'll be interesting in terms of, um, you know, the, the offensive line right now is is still moving parts, you know, in terms of who's going to be the starting offensive line. And, you know, having Kurt returning will be big. And the wider the wide receivers and offensive line are going to, um, I guess right now, are where the question marks are at. For sure. They got the, the talent there on the offense. I mean, Ellis took uh, oh, yeah. his first touch to the house, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And everyone's trying to think of why did he touch the ball more? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the other guys were pretty good. Yeah. In front of them. <laughs> so yeah. It makes sense. Um, let's talk about a little about your your, four, your well fourth year uh, bookending, you know, to the first year conversation. I mean, new coaching staff. Ellis it was the first uh, – own his number right earn his number i think i read that yeah what's what's that like, <laughs> like does everyone your love number? It? yeah does everyone love it as much as the newspapers say that everyone says that they love it it's interesting um <laughs> it's definitely a a um i like the concept i like the idea of earning your position your role on the team and and i really like that um yeah, I mean, kids definitely buy into it because it was a big night in terms of picking your number, and um, it, it was an exciting night. It'll be cool. it's interesting to see how it goes this year, you know, because last year we're going into it with the new staff. Right. So, like, once we picked our numbers, and then we went two and ten, you kind of forget about moments like that, you know. Yeah. That's just kind of is undercover because your mind is we just went two and ten, and and it just really hurt (laughs) but it'll be interesting um this year you know how the guys are taking it you know because i'm not there but you know they all seem optimistic and they're excited for this upcoming season so i'm I'm sure it's the same exciting feel as it was last year speaking about the the mentality of a season when you go two and ten especially if you've Mm -hmm. been in a program that's struggled to have really successful seasons over the past few years Obviously, you get optimistic going into any new season. How important is it to get off to a quick start that season to to not have those negative feelings start coming back? Yeah, it's huge. And I think, you know, with this schedule, they have the chance to do that. You know, I'm not saying they're going to do it. They definitely have a chance to get off to that quick start. Um, you know, when you look at our past couple of years, especially under Coach London, you know, it was tough. You're opening up with – with UCLA and then you're playing Notre Dame the next week and then you have your D1 double A game with William and Mary and then you're playing Boise State you know so you're playing three top 25 teams in your first four weeks and, and it's deflating you know so you know we started one and three that season and we're able to win three more games after that but this season that will be huge because 
in the ACC, it's um, every year it seems like it's a, it's an open ball game. You know, who's going to take the crown? And it'll be uh, they they definitely need to get off to a quick start, and and that'll give them the best chances to to have the confidence for those ACC games. Gotcha. We mentioned the Notre Dame game. I got a mm-hmm. question. <laughs> the Talk Louisville today. game. The Louisville game. So Notre uh, Dame game. I mean, we were at yeah. both of them. And Notre Dame game was a ton of fun. And I'll, I'll tell you, I, at least the folks I was sitting with, we were enjoying it. We were going like, holy shit, look, they look good. Yeah. Notre Dame looks good. You know, like if things are uh-huh. going away. We're playing well. I, I don't think anyone really was going, oh, we're going to win. I know, you know, because we're all just sort of like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to jinx it. Or don't, I yeah. don't want to be. <laughs> right. And then I think like, you know, right at the last moment, right before the, the inevitable Hail Mary, then everyone was like, wow, we might actually win. It's like, oh, fuck, there it goes. <laughs> but, yep. but, you know, I mean, it, that, that's fandom and whatnot, but being there, and being part of it and then having that Louisville game the season after that in just so heartbreakingly similar fashion, what do you do as a a leader on that team or or to say to the other guys, or even just how do you feel, you know, like what's, what's that like? Yeah. Um, I I guess I have two takes on it. So the, the Notre Dame comparing the game, Notre Dame to Louisville, um, the Notre Dame game was, I think a little more detrimental because it was the second game of the year. So, you know, if we win that, you don't, it's hard to, you can't, I can't sit here and say we were going to win more games, but you know, that gives you confidence going into the rest of your season. Mm-hmm. You know, you, they were the number four defense in the country and we were, we were torching them. And then the yeah. Louisville game, it was kind of in the middle of the season. We still had um full game hopes, but I think the atmosphere of the Notre Dame game was a little more special than the Louisville game. You know, it was – you couldn't even hear yourself talk because it was so freaking loud. Whereas the Louisville yeah. game, you know, the stadium was only half full. Right. So, to me, the atmosphere is a little different. And I guess because I wasn't playing in the Louisville game, mm-hmm. it was uh, – but, I mean, they're both just such tough and so hard to, to handle. And it's really one of those things that there's really not much to say. Sure. You just – you just put your hard hat back on and you go back to work the next day. And as a leader, you just got to keep everyone together. There's really not much to say to make anyone feel better or make that moment. Okay. Cause it's mm-hmm. not, it's just, it's whatever the fans are feeling times that by 10. And that's what the players are feeling. Sure. Sure. In the same vein. And I want to get back to like happy discussions later, but I'm just so uh-huh. curious with how, um, like obviously you guys are only there for a short window of time, whether it's four or five years, depending or that sort of thing, three to five, we'll say, obviously there's been some struggles on the field for much longer than that. Um, How do you guys like tune some of this stuff out, whether it's social media or discussions or the negative stuff, like at the games um, going through a coaching change where, you know, the atmosphere in the stadium is booing coach London. Like how do you, right how do you deal with that stuff? And, and I, again, like, I don't, I just having you here to ask you these questions, I've always wondered because it's, it's gotta be tough, obviously, but how do you get through some of those tougher times? Yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing is really just having everyone in the same discussion, you know, because it's hard when a coach is saying one thing, not that a coach is saying one thing, but people are kind of listening to that outside noise, you know, cause then it creates side chatter and that's what can break a team. And I think 
um, you know, the camaraderie of the team has never been broken because we kind of have tried to eliminate those side conversations. You know, we'll just have it as one, as a big group rather than, you know, people having, having their side conversations. So, um, I don't know. It's hard, you know, because it, the frustration that the fans feel, like I said earlier, you know, we're feeling it too, because, and Luke touched on it in the last podcast, but you know, everyone's really busting their ass every day to produce and it's just not happening. Mm-hmm. So it's, I guess it's just a matter of time until the till the culture and and the production come together as one, mm-hmm. and um, you know you, you hope it's soon so I can I can help say you know I was a part of that foundation, but it's it's tough it's tough it'll be uh it 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 is really hard when. You know, you you hear them booing your head coach, especially a guy that you love to death. You know, it, it's hard. It's hard, yeah. but it's uh, it's part of the game. You know, we sign up to play it, and that that comes with the territory. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say, like, you know, disappointing losses. Like, you know, you play sports sometimes. There's heartbreaking losses, but I've never uh-huh. been booed at rec soccer. Or anything, <laughs> yeah, <you know>? exactly. <laughs> That's a whole right. other level. Right. I, I didn't go to class and like have a bad comment and discussion and get booed at, you know what I mean? So I kind of like, uh-huh. don't have the same. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like I might be the curse though, because my senior <laughs> year of high school, my, my, my last ever football game, we lost with 12 seconds left. Oh, no. And then, yeah. And, and this in like the second or third round of the playoffs, it was tough. And then I come and I get my chance and I'm playing against Notre Dame on the big stage and we lose with 12 seconds left. And then I think the Louisville game was like 14 seconds oh, left. Gosh. So I, I'm hoping that since I left, that curse is gone, yeah. but we'll see. Well, as a, a UVA sports fan my entire life, Matt, I can tell you, it's not you. Um, <laughs> it's, it's just, it's just how it goes. Um, I do have, I do have one more question yeah. that, that is going to be in a negative tone and it's something I brought up okay, that's fine. with, with Luke, um, or maybe a couple times, mm-hmm. you know, wanting to be, uh, optimistic, obviously being a Wahoo and, and, you know, the off season, you're always like, we're going to be better. This is great. Uh, the people coming in, the new coaches have established more things. I think there's a ton of reasons for optimism in the stat for a lot of the reasons you brought up a lot of the things we see in the culture and the preparation and the results that they got at BYU. And the one thing that keeps pinging in my mind, trying to shut down my optimism is the Virginia tech game last year's approach to cycling. And I am not a football player and I'm not a football coach, (laughs) but I've watched a lot of it and I've never seen anything so inexplicable to the cycling. Uh, You incur every other play. It's sometimes, you know, yeah. Can you speak to what was going through your mind or have you digested it or just like written it off? Like, I don't know. It's not my job to tell me when to go out there. I mean, what was, what, what was up with that? <laughs> it's the best way yeah. So it was, um, well, for, it was kind of an interesting week because, you know, after the Georgia tech loss, you know, I, I was bummed because I, I wanted that spot back and, mm. you know, I, I didn't produce the way I should have, or I wanted to. So then the next week, but you know, if you watch the Georgia tech game, we were never in third and longs. It was rare. You know, we were in the third and sixes and our, our third down percentage was high. And we were, um, our biggest thing is we just couldn't, we didn't make any field goals and we couldn't put the ball in the end zone in the red zone. So that's where we struggled. Mm-hmm. So then going into the Virginia tech game, I really wasn't sure what was going to happen. 
And um, I had never heard this before. And I don't think I, it was it's the only thing that I have ever questioned in terms of what coaches say, but they said, you know, we're going to personnel quarterbacks. And I thought that was just really interesting. <laughs> and, um, you know, even, even Kurt and I both kind of agree. We were like, I, you know, I didn't care if Kurt started and played the whole game. You're not going to hurt my feelings, you know, like right. I, I haven't played this whole year. So don't think that we need to personnel quarterbacks because for someone's feelings, like, because in, in terms of what Kurt was able to do last year, we were, we were very similar in our skill set, you know? Yeah. And um, so, yeah, they, they wanted the personnel quarterbacks, and it was, um, it was just an interesting dynamic. Yeah. <laughs> and that was uh, – it, it was tough because you, you just don't get a feel for the game. You yeah, know, as course. a quarterback, um, you know, we were playing Georgia Tech. They were bringing – um, you know, they're bringing man blitz every third down and then we were beating it. So I was like, you know, they're going to back off and drop eight and right. they're going to drop back into coverage. It's something you just feel as a quarterback. And then coming into the Virginia Tech game, you know, I would be out for first and second down. I'd get in the third down. I'm like, you know, it's tough to see from the sideline yeah. exactly what they're doing. Yeah. So it was just a, um, it was hard to get a feel for the game. And it was just something that, you know, I guess looking back on it, all I can do is just kind of laugh and move forward. And <laughs> the person I feel the worst for is Connor Brewer because he's one of my best friends uh, and he got thrown in there and then, then he went to pitch it. Yeah, <laughs> he yeah, got yeah. Killed yeah. And then he fumbled and they ran it back. And <laughs> oh, you know, that, that's the guy I feel bad for yeah. because, you know, Kurt and I have dealt with those pressures, but. Yeah. You know, I don't. I don't know if Connor has. He didn't. He didn't play as much in his college career. So well, it was. Uh, I would have acted. Yeah, that was that was a tough one in that situation. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, but yeah, can you promise me that you think the coaches uh, won't do that this year? Uh, in no. games? <laughs> you can't promise. You can't that. promise, or you don't <laughs> think they'll do it. <laughs> no, I know they will. I don't think they will do it this year. Okay. You know, I, I think even you know they look back on it and. And I, and who know, I don't know what their thoughts about it are now, but, um, you know, I, I think – I don't think it will happen again. We all make we'll mistakes leave it at that. in our jobs yeah. sometimes. Yeah, we do. We do. <laughs> and, and, I, and I have a lot of respect rarely, in, yeah. for that whole staff. Your mistakes are what? Uh, very rarely on national television, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you hate Virginia Tech as much as Brian Oh, absolutely. <laughs> like, is there a team that, like, did that over the four years? Like, I mean, the last – I'm really going to age myself here, but the last time we beat Virginia Tech was uh, Matt Schaub, Heath Miller. I was a first year. Um, so, obviously, this <laughs> needs to happen. Uh, yeah, two yeah. of us here were first years. One of us was a second year. Stats boy was a second yeah. year. Uh, I don't think <laughs> Matt Ellis was, was born yet. So, um, <laughs> I, was, I was 12. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what is that like? And is there any sort of, um, obviously I would assume there's some sort of additional pressure that you guys put on yourselves or is it kind of just, it's another game or do you tell yourselves it's another game, but you kind of feel this extra pressure knowing how badly no, I mean, you want it and the fan base wants it? Yeah. I mean, there's no denying, like you, you, you prepare like it's another game, but mentally, you know, it's a rival game. You know, if you, if you prepare any different, like if, if you know how to prepare and move forward with a game plan, then there's no need to change any of that. But once you get in and you feel the atmosphere, it is a very, very special game in terms of that, what the rivalry is. And I think the hardest part is that when we were in Lane Stadium that Friday night and 
I can't, I actually came in that game in the fourth quarter with another with the ninety seconds left in the game, and um, you know you're so close. And then the yeah. next day we're home, and there's some plays that could turn it, you know. And and it's yeah. just a it's a three point game, you know. And that was I think the most disheartening thing about this year is that it wasn't even close. Yeah. Um, you know, it was one of those games where you're just ready for it to end because it was so embarrassing. <laughs> so, you know, that's, that's just the reality. And so I think that was the hardest thing about this year because it wasn't a rivalry. They just came out and yeah. smacked us and punched us right in the face. And, and that was that. So um, that was really hard to grapple with. But yeah. the other years was it was definitely some, you know, when I came in Lane Stadium and, and they're jumping around and it, it was – really a special atmosphere and I'm like you know this, this is why you play college football for moments like this to play in the close game against the rival school and at least have a chance yeah that game that game was nuts I remember um watch well I don't want to relive the whole thing but watching the end of it and I was covering the basketball um like they had one of those Thanksgiving tournaments or whatever and uh-huh. we we're waiting for the team in the press room and we heard we were slightly ahead so like we watched or they were slightly ahead we heard them freaking out like we could hear them through the walls because they were watching it on phone whatever and then that was the play that came Uh back for holding or whatever and so it was was like then when they came out like to do the interviews they were like man like Justin Justin Anderson was like that was so close dude like anyway yeah um, so I guess we can stop talking about the past stuff Like, I don't want to like, right. Debbie um, so quick question about, you know, like, obviously you probably know um, Kurt Benker better than a lot of any of us or uh-huh. have some insight. What can the fans expect? What do you think the fans can expect from Kurt this year? And um, we've heard reports that he's fully healthier or healthier than he was last season. Like how big of a difference will that make too? Yeah, well, it's actually funny because Kurt FaceTimed me as soon as I called you guys, so I had to decline his call. So sorry about that, Kurt. But uh, um, <laughs> yeah, just let him put him on speaker, leave him in. You know, Kurt is definitely he has a very special arm, and when you watch him throw and the way the ball comes out of his hand, it's he has a very special talent. And I think um, with his injury last year and and just things that you know people have said about him getting forced out of the pocket a little too soon, things like that. That's where the difference will see a difference this year. At least that's where we should see a difference. Um, You know, if he can stay in the pocket a little longer. And I I also think another thing that can help him out with will be, um, you know, just, just some different, um, I guess, strategies. So, you know, with Coach Fairchild, I think we called a little too many screens. And then last year we didn't do any screens. So there has to be a little mix where you can have some plays at the line, to um, kind of mix up the passing game. And I think they will do that because, um, you know, they made some changes in the offense in the offseason as they had to. But Kurt is – he's expected to have a good year. And and I remember when I I came in that one year against UCLA, you know, Luke Buenco, he called me and he's like, you know, you will go as far as the quarterback takes you. That's how far you'll go. And if Kurt – gets going like he can and he stays healthy and um, does what he's capable of doing, they have a really good chance of being a really good football team this year. Steve Fairchild called screen plays? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a few. I don't know if you remember. doesn't yeah. ring a bell. <laughs> so I, I've been leading the uh, – by leading, I mean I'm the only one currently doing it – the Kurt Bankard for Heisman 
2017 campaign. I'm, I'm getting it started early. Um, but but you other, started it, right? Exactly. I, I started it last year. It's it's failing to pick up steam, but we're going to get there. Um, but uh, other than Kurt, um, who do you expect on the offense to have a, a breakout year this year? We talked about uh, Andre a little bit. Um, um, but are there anyone else that we should be looking at that, that you've seen in practice that just hasn't had a chance to do it on the field? Yeah, so my two dark horses are uh, Jordan Ellis and then Joe Reed. Joe Reed, he played a little bit last year, and, and this kid is a freak. I mean, he is a very talented football player, and um, he's, he can, he's fast. He can catch. He can outrun people. He's got good quickness. Um, he's kind of like the complete player, and, and he's a great complement to Alameda Zacchaeus mm. on the, uh, as an inside receiver. So I would say – Joe Reed and Jordan Ellis are, are the two breakout players this year. And then the people that need to definitely produce consistently will be guys like Donnie Dally and Andre Lavroni. Mm. Um, you know, those are two guys that are very capable of doing it. And if they do it, it'll, uh, they'll go far. Good stuff. All right. So this is the part of the podcast where I ask you some rapid fire questions. Um, okay. So be honest. <laughs> this is, Who's getting to know Matt Johns? Um, okay. <laughs> I just came up with that, if you couldn't tell. Um, yeah, just named, just named it. Pierce, can you add in some music later? Thanks. Yeah, um, sure. So, Matt, where is your favorite place to go for food in Charlottesville? Boylan Heights. Best burger in Charlottesville. Right. What's your go-to order? Uh, Western Civ. It's the only thing I've gotten for five years. So. Wow. <laughs> and, a, uh, and a red velvet milkshake. Yeah, the, uh, the milkshakes are so good. That sounds pretty yeah. Which of your nicknames was your actual favorite? John Z Football, yeah. Maddie Ice. <laughs> if you had to pick one and you're getting it, you know, on the back of a jer- jersey, what are you getting? Ooh. Um, I guess, see, Maddie Ice, that's like Matt Ryan, you know? Mm-hmm. So that was kind of, but I, I like Chris Long started the John Z football, so I like that one. <laughs> so I'll uh, I'll I'll pick that one. <laughs> All right, that's a good. Try. I like that one. Um, uh, if you had to be stuck on a desert island with Luke Boyanko mm-hmm. or Kane and Severin, Ooh. who are you picking? <laughs> who am I picking? Yeah. Ooh. So Kane is my best friend. I will say that. <laughs> I'm gonna stick with that. But my man Luke, I feel like he's uh he'd be able to stick it out in the wild a little bit longer. Yeah, it's probably fair. So um, I'll, I'll I'll pick Luke. Favorite pregame pump up song, and who are you not giving the ox cord to on the team? Uh, favorite pregame. Uh, oh, so this is actually a little insight. I started in high school. My my older brother got me on it, but I always listened to Dancing in the Moonlight right before I ran out. I don't know why. It was uh, it just kind of. I'm kind of a calm guy, <laughs> but that was. That's amazing. That's, uh, you know, that, that kind of just set the tone. You know, it's not too much, but it was, um, I don't know. That's what I listened to. It uh, <laughs> was, a, was a, celebratory, a celebratory song in high school. So, so we're I not just kept it going in college. <laughs> no, yeah, definitely not me. Everyone would look at me like I was crazy. <laughs> They'd be like, yo, get this dude off. Right <laughs> um, that's amazing. Okay, and the last one. If you could play any other sport at Virginia, not football, what would you have played? Or what would you like to play? Not necessarily something you're good at, but if you're like, 
this is what I want to, this would be fun. Like what team would you want to be on? Ooh. So I'm torn because I actually wanted to play college basketball. So mm-hmm. I would, I want to say college. I would want to say basketball, but um, I think I have to go with the tennis team. You know, they've just <laughs> been, right. that's a good answer. You know, they, those, those guys just win after win after win. And, um, I'm jealous of that. So <laughs> that's, I think that's where I want to be a part of. Dynasty and, and they're, they're definitely low key, you know, yeah. they definitely get good publicity, but they're low key guys. And, uh, and, and I like that. So I, th- I think I'd, I'd go with the tennis team. I thought you were going to say, cause Tony Bennett's system was just a little too slow for you. And you <laughs> no, no, I'm a big fan of Tony. So he, he he's, uh, he's awesome. Preach. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, what was your favorite Survivor Hour of all the Survivor Hours on the corner? <laughs> oh, um, I mean, there's only one Survivor Hour. It's yeah, Biltmore. Biltmore. Oh no, there's a bunch now. <laughs> not no, I didn't. Know. I mean, <laughs> I didn't the know that. OG is the Biltmore. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you, Matt. Well, and and O'Neills, but they were the the same. Oh, ownership that's true. Yeah. Anyway, we're yeah. I guess they have Pint Night too, which is the two dollar uh, pints at Mellow Mushroom, but. That's not really a survivor hour. Did you ever play trivia? <laughs> no, I never did the trivia. I was just more of a Boylan Heights guy all around. Food, yeah. anything. Um, I'm a Boylan Heights. That, that was the spot. Jake McGee put me on that place. He gets the credit. <laughs> him, and, him and Luke. Ten years ago, Jake McGee was a third year in college. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Those two took me under their wing and uh, showed me the ropes. We got to get Jake on here now so I can make all my... His, his I know, right? He'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> before we uh take up all of your night (laughs) with all these (laughs) questions why don't we why don't we close up talking a little bit about uh the upcoming year for the who's and just um, okay you know we don't need like win predictions but looking at the uh schedule anything that maybe pops out to you as a a winnable game that people have written off or or your best look at an upset uh knowing Uh, so you know i I knew this question was coming. So every year when they give out those magnet schedules, yeah. right? Me, Kanan, and Jackson, we would stand in our kitchen and we'd be like, yo, we're going to win this game. We're, you know what? We're going to win all of them. All of them. <laughs> and so after we went 2-10 and 10 last year, um, Kanan and Jackson, we're all hanging out. And I said, you know what? I will never do that again. I will never <laughs> say we're going to beat that team again because we lost the Richmond. You can't yeah. say we're going to beat them, you know? Yeah, yeah. And um, – so I am going to keep my mouth shut about any of that, and I'm <laughs> I'm just hoping we win all of them. <laughs> I, yeah. I support your uh, hidden pessimism there. That you're, yeah. you're <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's just the predictions. I've been so wrong in in so many years that <laughs> I I don't want to let myself down anymore. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> Luke told I, us I don't last really week. care what the fans think. <laughs> <laughs> Luke told us last week that that the Who's are actually really good to bet on when he can get his teammates to give him points. <laughs> and he was I like, you'd that. be surprised how often they cover. And I was like, well, it makes sense. Yeah. Well, yeah, there were closer games than, than Vegas. <laughs> like, we're talking yeah. <laughs> yeah. So look into that. It makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> They're betting everyone. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, we'll be sure to uh, have you on another time. We appreciate uh, you coming by and, and chat with us, Matt. It was, it was a pleasure. And, uh, yeah, that'd be great. I'd love to join you. Let us know when, when you're coming back to Scott to, to take in a game, and, and we'll all go get milkshakes. 
Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Wait, that That's actually fun. sounds really good. Can we do that? Uh, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> but uh, yeah, thanks again, Matt. And thanks, uh, Matt. stay tuned, dear listeners, to more podcasts coming up. And I'll just sign off for everybody by saying go who's. iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like taking those perfect New Year, New You portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. It's the best way to stay connected to everyone you'll heart most in 2019. So get ready to fall in love with iPhone XR on T-Mobile, the most loved in wireless. Call 1-800-T-Mobile to learn more or visit a store today. 